Up next on NHL Fantasy on Ice. Waiver Wire James with the best pickups and players to target. A look at the week's schedule of games and how fantasy owners capitalize. With the light Monday slate, where are the best bets? Stand by. What's up, everybody? Jensen and Reese here with you on this Monday morning near the tail end of October. So we're starting to get into the thick of the fantasy <laughs> hockey season, and we're going to get to all kinds of season-long formats today. I can't believe it. And as you can tell from my voice, I'm definitely already feeling the effects of being uh, one month into the season. So here we are. Now, is this a matter of you being sick, or is this a matter of you mourning because the Washington Nationals couldn't win a game at home in the World Series, Robbie? Uh, it's a little bit of both, probably more on the latter, but because I feel like the playoff format. Well, I don't want to start making excuses. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go down that road today. I, I don't love the playoff format. I'll say that, but we'll leave it there. All righty, Petey. <laughs> Big weekend for our Nittany Lions who go into the bye week undefeated. We are. <laughs> well, as you can tell after the sports equinox, we are all jumbled up talking every single sport. But for hockey alone, Pete, anything catch your eye over the weekend? Uh, some of these injuries, man. I mean, I don't know. The Blues have looked a little shaky this year uh, with Tarasenko. So now Tarasenko's out. He's going to be reevaluated today. Maybe we'll hear a little bit more of that a little bit later. Also, the New York Rangers uh, got lit up on Sunday night at the Garden and lost. Probably, I, I love Panarin, but Zabanajad is the glue that keeps that forward group together. He went down with an injury. Agreed. Well, let's find out how to replace some of those guys. And what a better person to talk waiver wire than waiver wire James himself. <laughs> he writes the top 10 waiver wire piece for NHL.com backslash fantasy. James, how was your weekend, man? Uh, you know, a little bit of uh, Halloween mixed with a little bit of hockey, so it was a good weekend. <laughs> and I saw you were at both Islander games Thursday and Sunday, and they're actually the hottest team in the league right now with a seven-game winning streak. Some possession concerns moving forward, but there's no better goalie tandem uh, out there in the NHL right now, no? I would have to agree with that. I mean, when you look at what Varlamov and Grice have been able to do over the course of not just – the seven-game winning streak, but of the season as a whole so far. And we know what Grice did last year, buying into Barry Trotz's system, and Varlamov is definitely starting to show the signs of learning the system and then obviously having the claws of Piero Greco and goaltending guru Mitch Korn dug into him to you know adjust his mechanics and fit him to what they want to see him do. So you know it's very impressive to see what the Islanders are doing right now but one thing I wanted to ask you guys, on this seven-game winning streak, we have seen the Islanders take a little bit of an offensive step forward now. We knew what Matt Barzell was going to do, but what other players on the Islanders do you see having long-term fantasy value after this winning streak ends for them? Well, it's definitely a guy on your list, James, and it's Devin Taves. And sometimes the old saying is, you know, offense starts from defense. And what a better player to own in a thin position than Devin Taves right now. He looks like he is the top power play quarterback for them moving forward. And he's covering all categories and logging 20-plus minutes a game. So I have to say Devin Taves for sure. Yeah, he had a, another assist last night for the Islanders. So that's now uh, at least one point in six of his past seven games. Uh, he's eight points on the season now, 14 shots on goal, 17 blocked shots. So, you know, doing it a lot there. Also, I like Johnny Boychuk right now. But you look at what the Islanders are doing top to bottom, and a lot of their guys that we weren't expecting them to produce very much, they're producing. Brock Nelson now up to 10 points. 
obviously keeping the trend in his career of being Brocktober, having hot starts. <laughs> Hopefully, like last season, he can continue that through the rest of the year. Um, but definitely, I'm very, very high on Devontae's right now. I think he's the most complete offensive defenseman that the Islanders have. And if they keep giving him the opportunities like this, I really think that his ceiling could be somewhere between about 40 to 50 points this season. And it was interesting to see Nick Letty bust out over the weekend with the three-point game, scored a penalty shot goal. I mean, there are other ways to tap into this team. Also, Josh Bailey, a guy that absolutely nobody talks about uh, across the league. He was second-leading scorer on the team last year. Season before that with Tavares at 71 points. But he's remained fantasy-relevant, and he's once again you know, right up there among their leading scorers behind Nelson and Barzell. Absolutely. Right now, seven points in his last eight games. Uh including two multi-point games, seeing a, a lot of power play time up there on that top unit. I'm very high on Josh Bailey. He's owned in only 21% of Yahoo League. So you know, there's a lot more fantasy production for the Islanders below the surface. And if you're in those deeper leagues where some of these guys are available, these are guys that you definitely want to jump on. Because I think now that they're in year two of Trotz's system, you're going to see them start to take that more offensive step forward combining with the defensive system that he uh, harps on so greatly. James, another team that's trending up is the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, they have an interesting situation at goalie where Brian Elliott seems to be garnering more starts than the promising young player Carter Hart. Is that a situation where they should for sure be a handcuff moving forward? Oh, 100%. At that game last night, Islanders, Flyers, I saw Carter Hart firsthand, and he did not look comfortable. Uh, the Islanders got to him early and often, scored five goals on 14 shots through about a period and a half. So, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely saw when Elliott came in, things stabilized. Their defense, obviously they were playing on the second night of a back-to-back. Elliott allowed four goals against to the Columbus Blue Jackets on Saturday night. But he came in, and the Islanders peppered him with shots right away. He stopped all 19 shots, got lucky with a couple of posts, that the Islanders didn't score, but he just looked more stable and more comfortable. Hart from the get-go did not look solid in net. He did not look comfortable. The team in front of him didn't look like they were skating with as much confidence as they were when Elliott came in. And so now this is four consecutive games that Elliott has seen playing time in. Obviously, he got three starts in a row, and then coming in and stopping all 19 shots he faced last night. So I definitely think this is trending more towards a timeshare than we were expecting at the beginning of the year. So I would be jumping on Brian Elliott right now in a lot of leagues as a Carter Hart owner or even as a standalone option. He's only owned in 11% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues right now, and he has a 2.28 goals against average and a 9.26 save percentage. So when you see a guy posting numbers like that, I definitely, with his ownership percentage, it's, it's almost a must-own no matter what if you have the handcuff or if it's just standalone, but it looks like he's going to get a lot more starts going forward. And in Elliott, yeah, three straight wins in his three straight starts, uh, excluding Sunday. So pick him up. He's red hot right now. One guy that I picked up from the Flyers, James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, I was all over him last week, but he's kept it going. Three-game point streak, including two multi-point games. And the best thing about him is he plays with Claude Giroux. When he gets going, Giroux gets going, and that Flyers offense becomes very dangerous. Absolutely, and he's starting to shoot the puck more as well this season than he did last year. Um, Even though it took him until Game 8 to get his first point, 
he had games of nine shots, nine shots, and six shots on goal right before he finally found those first points and finally found those first goals of the season. He has eight points, uh, eight shots on goal, and six points on his current three-game point streak. Uh, had an assist last night against the Islanders, and like you said, he's skating on that first line with Claude Giroux, with Jacob Voracek, and he's starting to settle in there, and he's really starting to look now like the player that they paid that big contract to last offseason to come in and produce like this. So I'm very high on James Van Riemsdyk. He's available in over 50% of Yahoo leagues right now, so he's a guy who I definitely would be jumping on. The only thing that would hurt his value is the fact that he's only single eligible as a winger, as left wing. Um, but aside from that, I'm jumping on him if I can. JT Comfer looked comfortable on that top line spot for the Avalanche without Miko Rantanen. Is that a player that is must-own territory for you, James? Absolutely. When when you look at the exposure to Rantanen, uh, excuse me, to McKinnon and Landeskog with Rantanen out, you know Comfer did see time with McKinnon at certain points during the season last year, and he looked comfortable there. Now that he's moving back up into that top six in the short term right now, he absolutely is a must-own. When you look at their next four games, Florida, who's been shaky this year. They played Dallas twice, who's been shaky. Arizona, who has shown signs of cracking the last couple of weeks. So, you know, I, I really like where J.T. Comper is right now. He has five assists in his last five games. Uh, he's got points in back-to-back games since joining that first line with McKinnon and Landeskog. Um, so in the short term, until Rantanen comes back, he absolutely has must-own fantasy value. Obviously, after that, he will be moved back down probably to the third line with Tyson Yost. So we'll see what he does from there. But in the short term, until Rantanen gets back, absolutely you have to pick him up. One team you mentioned, the Florida Panthers. It's crazy. They have been shaky without a doubt, but they're actually on an eight-game point streak right now, 4-0-4, which is really impressive given how they've stayed in the hunt uh, despite their struggles as a team. But one guy on your list, Dennis Malgin, playing you know second, third line, second power play, but putting together a nice little stretch right now. Yeah, he had an assist uh, last night against the Edmonton Oilers to push his point streak to five games. He has points in seven of his eight games so far played this season. Three goals, five assists. He's largely seeing that time on the third line, but he has found his way into that top six when Joel Quenville has shuffled those lines down there a little bit. Um, Like you said, he is seeing second power play usage. So he's one of those guys who I think is primed for a little bit of a breakout season this year, even in a third-line role kind of like a guy who is playing ahead of him in Brett Connolly saw last year with the Washington Capitals. I think Mulligan has that chance to really bust out in that middle six for the Panthers this season. And the fact that he's dual eligible left wing, right wing definitely helps his case, and especially in deeper leagues, only 3% owned right now. But he's a guy who, even if you're just looking for a spot start from somebody, just to pick somebody up to throw in, um, he's a great option for that. I love those spot starts, James. One of my favorite all-time strats uh, on the waiver wire. Now, Vladimir Tarasenko missed the Blues' past two games with what is rumored to be an upper body injury. Is there anybody in-house there to replace him, or would you look out of house? Uh, the only guys in-house that I would potentially see would be Thomas or maybe Robbie Fabry. Um, 
neither one of them has really shown much in the last two games since Tarasenko has gone down. Um, he's such a hard player to, to replace. Everything that he does, um, you know, he shoots, he scores, he passes the pucks so well. So, you know, he, he's a tough player in-house to, to replace. Mm-hmm. And even just on, on your fantasy roster alone, you're taking away a guy who has, you know, 40 to 50 goal potential um, even in, in the short term. Um, he, he's one of those guys that it, it's very hard to replicate the kind of production that he's capable of putting up. But in-house, I would look at a guy like either Thomas or, or Fabry to see who they're going to slot in until he's able to come back. So far, it's been Oscar Sundquist, but he hasn't done much in the top-line role. So I'd like to see them elevate Robert Thomas and give him a chance after a strong postseason and a couple of injuries here. The other major injury over the weekend, Mika Zibanejad, Sunday night, left the game against the Bruins. Uh, he's day-to-day for now. Is Ryan Strom worth targeting because he's been red-hot over the past couple of games? Depending on how long Zibanejad is out, Absolutely. Uh, Strom had an assist in their loss against the Bruins, the game that Zibanejad got hurt on Sunday, which pushed his point streak to four games. He now has points in six of his past seven mm-hmm. uh, since he has been moved with uh, Panarin on that second line now because they had Zibanejad with Kreider and a little bit of Capo on that first line. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the mix there now, potentially could you see a line of Kreider with Strom and, and Panarin, or could you see Panarin with Strom and, and Capo, or do they keep Pavel Buchnevich there as well? So it's going to be an interesting mix. But in the short term, until we know more about the injury to Mika Zibanejad, I'm not jumping on Ryan Strom just yet, but if Zibanejad does miss significant time, Absolutely, Ryan Strom definitely should be a must-add. Speaking of Capo Caco, he was dash four against the Bruins. Now, his ice time was a little bit encouraging with the 17-plus minutes played. Was that, is that a player you would drop to add one of these guys on your list? You know, the, he has such upside that it's kind of hard to drop a player like that when, when you know what he could be capable of. In keeper leagues, I'm definitely not dropping him. Uh, I think that in the long term, and we had this discussion, I think about two weeks ago when we were talking about his slow start too, I'm still not dropping him in keeper leagues, but in season-long league, it's starting to get up, get up to that point where we're almost now about 15 to 20% of the way through the season, and he has two points and 13 shots on goal and is a minus 12. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, in season law, in, in single-season leagues, uh, I'm definitely starting to jump off of the capo train but in keeper leagues uh you know you just got to weather the storm and just hope that uh you know he starts to turn things around but i think that he in keeper leagues is going to be worth holding on for the entire season i actually just dropped nikita gusev in one of my leagues so capo caco is next up in terms of who i might cut the cord on this coming week i dropped gusev and picked up jvr like i mentioned but yeah, I think that Kako has a few more weeks to prove this thing. Otherwise, uh, maybe he's a first-year bust and you have to cut your losses and move on. <laughs> uh, that I would agree with. But in, in season-long, in single-season leagues, again, I'm definitely getting to the point where I'm probably looking to see, scour the waiver wire and uh, what kind of production is out there that I can replace him with. James, Calgary and Vancouver are tied with four games most played this week. Anybody jump out to you on either one of those teams that I should be streaming? 
Well, I definitely think the goaltending for Vancouver is still where we think it's going to be. Thatcher Demko is still only owned in 10% of leagues, even though he hasn't started now in three games because Jacob Markstrom is back. I still think that he is going to see some, at least one, if not two starts this week. So with the fact that he's only 10% owned, if you're in the goalie market, I'm still harping on Thatcher Demko. I think that he's going to see an increased role as the season goes forward. And obviously, with the games that they have coming up, they do have a back-to-back coming up on the first and the second against Anaheim and San Jose. Uh, They do face Florida tonight, and then they have Los Angeles on Wednesday on the road. So depending on how Markstrom plays, if he gets to start against Florida, we could see Demko there, and obviously we'll see him probably in one of the games this weekend. So I definitely like Demko, and if he's available in your league, Quinn Hughes right now is playing out of his mind, and and if you have the chance to acquire him, whether it's on the waiver wire or by trade, he's definitely one of those defensemen that I'm buying high on right now. I've seen a lot of things uh, in terms of fan questions over the weekend, like should I pick up Quinn Hughes and drop like Clefbaum, or should I drop McAvoy and pick up Quinn Hughes? Quinn Hughes is producing in droves right now on the power play one. So really good advice there, James. So thanks again for hopping on with us, as always, for your weekly spot, and we'll talk to you again next week. Absolutely, guys. Can't wait. See you guys next week. All right, James. See ya. So thanks again to James. He's been working overtime over the weekend. We appreciate it. And, of course, hopping on with us on this Monday morning. So the Canucks on uh, Monday night, only two games slate, so Mm -hmm. you really got to dig deep here. They face the Panthers, who are on the second of a Mm back-to-back. I know the Canucks blew that game uh, Mm -hmm. early part of the weekend to the Capitals. Do you trust this team on this uh, spot? Let me say this before we get into this game. I was on the Vancouver Canucks Friday night. They're up 5-1 in the game, I believe. Uh-huh. Washington Capitals come back to win. Stake right Crazy. into my heart. Uh, and again, if you're playing DFS on a two-game slate tonight, <laughs> you really might want to go see your psychiatrist, maybe get your head checked, because it's almost impossible to win these two-game slates, just for the listeners. Yeah, or, or get into the NBA where there is Monday night action. But either way, yeah, that that's what the epitome of NHL DFS is. A team is up 5-1, to one. your lineup's looking good, your bets are looking good, and then all of a sudden you wake up, you check the score, and uh, not only has the team lost, but your DFS lineup lost. So, boom, in a nutshell. But for this week, Pete, I am targeting Vancouver. You know, every time a team plays four games in one week, that's a great opportunity in DFS to start out on a Monday, get a little hot streak, and keep getting those guys back in your lineup. It's true. I'm actually I, I'm leaning on the Panthers in this game. I like what they've put together in terms of consistency. And any given night, they can shock you with their offense in a good way. So uh, one guy that's been plugging the gaps for them with Vincent Trocheck out is Brian Boyle. He just scratched the surface on Sunday with two points, first two points uh, since signing a new deal with the Panthers. I I don't mind him as a value center if you're or even a streaming option. Definitely encouraging there. And it's funny. I mean, Barkov is still. I I don't know if he hasn't scored yet or. If he's got only one goal in the season but it's incredible just think of their ceiling when he starts to score i yep. mean he's racking up a ton of apples but when the goals start going in that is going to be a major season for sasha barkov and it was a good response uh from the sabers on friday night after blowing the, you know after not looking too good against the rangers uh, they got the job done against the red wings who have lost 
what, eight in a row right now, but still taking care of business, second of a back-to-back after a lot of travel. The Sabres uh, get going again here with a little homestand starting Monday against the Yotes. I'm officially starting the fade Detroit Red Wings. It should have been started about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have missed the boat on it, but boy, is that team pretty putrid right now. Yeah, it looks like they are positioning themselves nicely for a top draft pick, though, so got to sprinkle That's a little true. optimism in on the on the bleak Monday. You know, I always root for Stevie Y. love Stevie Y. But, and he'll rebuild it. He'll get that team, that franchise, back to where it belongs. But right now, it is tough to watch as it currently stands. And they had, what, a two-goal <laughs> deficit? They even came back to force uh-huh. overtime against the defending champs uh, on Sunday, but it wasn't good enough. <laughs> they gave up, like, a four-point game to David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly, so... Uh, that's not too not too good. Totally soul crushing. But I will say, you know, just quickly, there is one team that it's a little sneaky right now. The Minnesota Wild, nice mm-hmm. spot, five to one against the Kings over the weekend. I guess that's not saying a whole lot. But yes, we called that though, right? We were talking about Staylock, and that's right. Bang so. on job on that one. And so Eric Stahl is a player who's a top line center. There, he's a goal scorer. He's a shot volume guy. He's got 13 shots on goal in his past four games. If you're a little thin at center and season long, are you buying into this Wild team? I don't mind that top line right now, Jason Zucker, Eric Stahl, and Matt Zuccarello. It seems like since Zuccarello returned, that was that game against Edmonton. They've now won three out of four. We know their roster isn't as bad as it showed in the first mm-hmm. you know, two, two and a half weeks of the season. Uh, but this team is probably going to finish last in the Central Division when it's all said and done. Even though they do have talent, it just speaks to the division as a whole. I'm not buying in too heavily into a guy like Eric Stahl. I would rather get a streaming option from a better team, more consistent offensive team than Minnesota. I'm not sure if I trust them long-term either, Pete, but a team that I do trust this year is the Columbus Blue Jackets. They've played a lot of one-goal games, and I think I think we're going to have an elite goal score from their top line join us on the program on Tuesday. I think it's happening, boys. Listeners, get ready. Cam Atkinson, I don't want to uh, put the cart before the horse, but I think he'll be on tomorrow, Tuesday. Tune in for the elite goal scorer on with the boys tomorrow. That'll be good. Very nice. Hopefully first of many player interviews. We haven't had one yet. Well, slow it down. Excited. Slow it down. <laughs> Let's get through the first. And for those of you that don't know, we have a little history with Cam. There was some uh, Twitter beef over the summer. I guess he reads our rankings and might not have been completely fond of where he was, but we've certainly corrected that. And now, candidly, I can say he's been in my DFS lineup like the past like five or six games they've played, so that's something. And we'll get to him about how that uh, how that lineup has remained competitive despite all their offseason losses. They've been a really nice story so far. So once again, check out the other podcasts in the podcast network, NHL Executive Suite, NHL at the Rink, NHL Draft Class for Bender, Reese, Jensen. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again with Cam on Tuesday, hopefully.